I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on this episode of Fan of History. Hello, Dan. Hello, Bernie. Okay, where do we go now? Well, we're going back to China. We're going back to my... Now he's definitely Duke uh, Wen of Jin. He's the Duke of Jin because he's not, you know, his given name is Chonger, but now he's the actual Duke. And there's a battle. It's called the Battle of Chengpu. Oh, that'll give him a lot of human flesh to eat. I know, probably. Probably. Who is he fighting? He's fighting, he's going to be fighting Chu, actually, and a bunch of others. So, you, you know, I'm, you know, there's so many little states here. If it was, a, this would be, you know, if we had a video, I could, you know, point out all the little things. But let's, so I'm going to try to not, like, say every little state, because if you don't know where they are, I guess that's the problem, you know. If I said like, you know, Syria, Babylonia, Greece, you kind of have a visual where it is. China, we know where it is, but it's hard to say like, where's the state of Jin? Where's Zhang? Where's Song? Where, you know. So it's the League of Anti Cannibals. <laughs> it is. Well, no, don't forget now. Um, Duke Jin is kind of he's sort of working his way to become the hegemon, you know, because Duke Wan, remember, he's dead. He had the succession battle with the sons, so there's no strong hegemon. Duke Wen, when he was Chonger, he spent some time in Chu, actually. And the king liked him, but his minister named Zayu, he did not. So I think in the movie, that, that this Zayu guy, what a name, too. It sounds like an evil guy, right? He's probably like crazy, you know, evil, bad, bad guy. Um, so anyway, there was a, he hosted a banquet for Chonger at the time. The two of them drank and talked and then... The, the king of Chu says to Chang'er, if you return to become Jin, to Jin and become monarch, how can you repay me? So Chang'er thought about it and he said, beauty, tendons, precious silks, you have rare bird feathers, ivory animal skins, everything in Chu. 
How could there be any rare items in Jin for me to dedicate to you, the king? The king of Chu then said, You are too modest. Even if you say that, you should always show me something, right? So our friend the duke, uh, Chang'er, smiled and said, Thanks to you. If I can return to the country to preside over the affairs of my country, I would like to be friendly with your country. If there is a war between us, I will order my army to retreat first. And if that doesn't work, I will fight you. <laughs> so so this guy, Zuya, is like, what? At least he will not eat him. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, he really tastes like, he tastes fishy. He doesn't want to eat him. <laughs> he learned his lesson. People taste fishy, maybe. So... So uh, the Zayu guy said, he insulted you. You're too kind to him. Kill him. And the king said, oh, young master has great moral character. And he was gone for a long time. And and all his followers are the talents of the whole country. If this must be arranged by God, how can I kill him? Besides, how can I refute what he said? So remember that he said, if I get in a fight with you, I'll retreat. So it's probably like part of the story, right? So Duke Wen charmed himself out of trouble again. Yeah, oh yes, he totally. But this this other guy hate him, right? He's the general, he's the minister. They actually we actually know the day this so so let's just say there's all this intrigue and Chu is growing all this time. Now this is the first battle in not like a hundred years of Chu like uh, you know, fighting um to try to, you know, take control over the whole country. Chu there's all these things happen, right? You know, this Invade this country because what happens is these like Chu or these or Jin will like take a bunch of other countries, make a bunch of allies, and they sort of trade. And then then my, one guy will take one of the allies' territory. Then the other guy has to you know that makes means he has to fight because of the treaty, and that's what happens. So this here's the battle. This is the the Battle of Shengpu in 632 BC. That is correct. Yes, and it happened on the fourth day of the fourth month of 632. So the remember the guy I said before he's the the Zayu he's the guy he's the leader of the Chu, you know Duke uh, Wen is the leader of the of the Jin, and he's got allies too lots of allies because Jin is a small state compared to Chu so there's a whole bunch of other, and the, the, the um, Chu's army may have been bigger, and it probably is, and there was maybe like a thousand chariots on that one side and another seven hundred on the other so there was a lot of cha- they used chariots in war and it's kind of cool too because um. The Jin, they armored their chariot horses and they put tiger skins on them to make them look like, you know, more scary and stuff. That must have been so cool. Poor tigers. Yeah, tiger skins on their chariots. And so, you know what, just not to get into like every detail of the battle, but basically what happened is they there was a, they feigned a little bit of a retreat. Remember we talked about the retreat? Oh. The one troop smashed another troop. So about one side smashes into the other side. They feign a little bit of a retreat, and the one before the battle, one one army group of uh, Jin took branches and put them on their chariots, and they started ru- running around the field and making a big cloud of dust. So then they looked like they were retreating. So then, of course, when the Chu came in to them, swallowed up. They fell for the classic blunder. <laughs> they already had started a land war in Asia. Now they fell for the double envelopment and blunder, and that was it. So they um. Uh, Jin won the won the battle. We you know we can chew for a while. This the the minister Zayu he had to kill himself because um, he lost. It's one of the biggest battles, and now that that like cemented him as the hegemon of you know the support. Basically, he supports the um, you know the emperor. He's the strongest state, so he becomes the hegemon. And that's what happened. 
And they settled it in a state conference. That sounds very modern. Yeah, they had a little conference and and then they settled, okay, you're the hegemon. It's funny, I, I've been using, I want to try to see what I can do. Maybe we can put on the YouTube channel. I'm not going to promise, but I will tell the listeners, if you want to ever look this stuff up, go to Google Earth. I would like to try to make little videos of it. It really helped me. When you go to Google Earth and look at these places and see the, ter- the terrain, it really gives you a better idea of what's happening. So in central China here, I, I went and looked at it. There's not a lot of mountains. There's not a lot of, there's some rivers. There's river valleys in which you could see are fertile. And now they're loaded with cities. But this is a flat area. So this is why they have, there's all these states, but it's impossible for them to ever like stay like that. You know, and like in Assyria, it butts up against Urartu. So Urartu, you could conquer it here and there, but it's kind of a barrier. You know, you're not crossing over into Greece. You know, Egypt, they conquer, but that was hard. You know, so in China, it's like this middle area. Just They're constantly just fighting each other. This was a big battle, though, in that start. I mean, it took until, what, 200 BC until they united everything. So we're at 630. We've got a couple hundred years to go. Glad you found this event, the Battle of Shengpu. Yeah, me too. And I, I'm glad. That, thank you, Jack, for helping me with that. And I, I have these websites now because they're kind of like Wikipedia. So you could click a link and you get another one. The translating is hard, but it's, uh, yeah, it's great. So now that's the end. To, and and, and Duke, Duke Wen was kind of old. I think he was almost 60 when he eventually, after all his travels. So he doesn't make it much past the 630s. Well, he had a goal. He was kind of um, distracted by women and liquor and making good, great friends. But yeah. then he got what he wanted. Good work, Mr. Cannibal King. <laughs> There's a lot of cannibals in these. Never, uh, King Doug, they said he was a cannibal, so... 6.30s, you know. Population increase. You have to eat some people. <laughs> Is it actually a cannibal, too, if you just eat a piece of flesh that's not, like, it's not, you know, it's not dead? Yes. All right, all right, all right. Moving on. I could go back to Greece. Okay, please do. So we found another colony. And this is the col- this is, becomes an important Greek in the Greek world, in the, the Roman world, even the Christian world. It's Cyrene, Kyrene in Greek, probably. C-Y-R-E-N-E. It's in Libya. It was founded by colonists from Thera, which is still a city on the island of Santorini, but then they just called the whole island Thera. You know where that is, I think? Yes. They used to sometimes... I was actually there as a, when I was younger, when I did my backpacking thing. So that's like the... that's You know, they say that maybe that's the lost island of Atlantis. That's the island that blew the... The mountain blew... The, the volcano oh. blew it out. It's just like a crescent. So they came... So here's how that this worked. Oh, also, just a little background... Um, Cyrene is the birthplace of Eratophosthenes. This guy was the first to calculate the perimeter of the Earth. So the tradition says it was founded in 631 from the island of uh, Thera, like I said. And the guy's name, who supposedly started, his name is Battus. And they, they become, he starts a dynasty there eventually. Bad Battus. Yeah, Battus, he's a badass. Badass Battus. So this is one of those stories. You know, we got Herodotus involved in here. We got stuff. But it's it's cool. It's a great story. Some of it's probably a little fictional, but it's pretty good. So Badis, he's born in Thera. His father was from Thera. He was a, his father was a nobleman. And he's got this, his mother, her name is Phronima. She has an interesting backstory. Her father was a king of the city, of a city on Crete. On Crete. And her, when her mother died, she also had an evil stepmother. Her name is not known, but she did everything to torment her, 
to torment Battis' mother, and, he and she falsely accused her of fornication. So, when her father, the king, heard this, he, friended a mer he became friends with a merchant from Thera who was living in the city, and this guy's name was Thermiston, and he convinced Thermiston to swear an oath that he would perform any task that the king asked him to do. Now, I, I wrote this like, new friend to me. Hey, Bernie, could you do me a favor? I, uh, depends on what it is. So, king to Thermiston. Will you swear an oath to do anything I'm asked? Sure thing, king. <laughs> uh, of course, he's the king. Yeah, whatever you say, I'll do. So, the king brings out his daughter and commanded Thermiston to throw her into the sea. <laughs> uh, why? <laughs> because she had fornicated. Because his, his wife, oh, okay. she had this evil stepmother said that she fornicated. And he, so, she's, he's embarrassed, so he throw her into the sea. Why did he need Thermiston to do that? He needs Thermiston to do it. He can't do his own okay, daughter. He, he yeah. don't want to do it himself. Yeah, he couldn't do it himself. What a nice guy. The Thermiston, so Thermiston took him on his ship, and he lowered her into the water with a rope, and he hauled her back into the ship. So he filled his duty up. I threw her into the sea, but he didn't kill her. So that's how we have Battis, because he came back. He, he, he sailed back to Thera. So he probably told him, yeah, I dumped her. <laughs> but he, you know, he didn't. He took back to Thera, and she became the mistress of this guy named Polymestus. And there they had Battis. I don't know. Maybe she was a fornicator. She was she became a mistress no, when she got there. <laughs> Turvestone went to Polymestus and said, I rescued a fornicator. <laughs> Can I meet her? <laughs> Bring her right over. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, <laughs> so, so the king of Thera, his name is Grinus. And he visited the, or the Oracle of Delphi, which they told him to found a new city in Libya. And there's also this other story where maybe Battis went to see the Oracle because his name, Battis in Greek means stammer in ancient Greek. So they say maybe he had a speech impediment and then he went. So it's, there's this whole thing, cause, but also Battis means king in the Libyan tongue. So you'll hear these couple of stories. So just in case someone says, hey, you didn't talk about the stammering. So not that anybody does. I got to say, our fans never bust me. Thank God. You guys are the best. A bust Bernie now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Here it comes. You're, you know, you're, you got it all wrong. Thank God we don't have the ancient aliens people coming after us, like Psy does. Um, so a lot of years passed by. I think it was like seven or eight years, and they didn't go to found Israel, a city in Libya, and they didn't even like, I don't think, I think they kind of forgot about it. So then there was a horrible drought. Herodotus says all the trees died except one. I, that's all I said. No, which tree? Oh, that's a horrific drought. I mean, say one tree just made it. I mean, just so the Therians go back. You know, if the, they send another embassy back to Delphi, and they're um, rem, they remind them that the oracle said, you know, to settle in Libya. You forgot about this. It's probably why you have this drought. But she actually told them to found it in the land of Kyrenakaya. So basically, where it is. But the Therians, they didn't know how to get to Libya. They did, you know, like where where is this Libya place? So. They sent a messenger to Crete uh, to find someone to lead them there. And they found a leader, a dealer in purple dye. So, you know, these guys must have been trading with the, you know, with the Phoenicians and the Carthaginians, right? We're talking about yes. this whole area. So they found this guy. His name is Corby, Corobius. He once traveled to a, an island near um, uh, Libya, and that's called Plataea. And I was able to Google Earth this, too. So um, I'm going to try to post that if possible. Um, so he, he he had once got lost, and he traveled to this island. So he said, yeah, I think I could get us to there. So that's, so they got a bunch of supplies, and they, Grinus the king actually went with them, and they went to Plataea. Here's what Herodotus says. 
So then they went to Plataea and then Corobius, they left him there with a couple months of supplies. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Some people and stuff. And Herodotus says, The Therians who had left Corobius at Plataea, when they reached there, told their countrymen that they had colonized an island on the coast of Libya. They, of Thera, upon this, resolved that men should be sent to join the colony from each of their seven districts, and that the brothers in every family should draw lots to determine who were to go. Upon this, the Therans set out, sent out Battus with two Pentecosters. I'll tell you what that is later. And with these, he proceeded to Libya. But within a little time, not knowing what else to do, the men returned and arrived back off of Thera. The Therans, when they saw the vessels approaching, received them with showers of missiles and <laughs> would not allow them to come near the shore and ordered the men to sail back from whence they had come. Thus compelled, they settled on Plataea. They're very reluctant colonizers. <laughs> exactly, right? Because you see they're just throwing rocks at them and stuff. Get out of here! <laughs> we told you to go. They're like, we don't know where to go. So uh, a Pentecoster was a small vessel, and it's like a, a galley type. Um, they were smaller. They were fast, and they were hard to ram them. They used them in the Peloponnesian War a lot. So it was like a, like a swift ship. Okay. I think I looked this up. It's like, where did I find it? It's like 400 miles. I think it's 400 kilometers. I'm sorry. Let me see. Oh, yeah. It's, four, it's about 400 kilometers, 250 miles from Thera to Kyrene. And, and also, so this little island of Plataea, it's like under a little, sort of little bump in the top of Africa there, where, you know, over from Libya. So, so they were, spent two years on this island. After two years, they returned to Delphi, and the, or, the oracle repeated their advice. I told you to move to Libya. I don't know what you're doing on this place. And here we must give credit to the oracle's record keeping, because now it's like 10 years. <laughs> I know. The last prophecy they got when the oracle was high. <laughs> I know. But somebody noted it down and remembered I know. It. Oh, it's those stupid Terrans. Tell them to go to Libya. The Oracle. I, I mean, I, I remember re- seeing a thing where the Oracle would have known all the good thing. Like, in other words, if all these people were coming to them and saying, hey, I want to start a colony in Libya, should I? 
Not saying that Libya, but you know, they kind of had all, they sort of had all this information. I don't know. Maybe they wanted a colony there for some reason. Maybe, maybe the staff at the Oracle invested in a lot of maps just to know where to send people. I think you're right. It was like, when, you know, those old movies when they come in and they pull out a dusty map? The Oracle had all the dusty maps. Yes. So, all right. So they, they weren't doing so well on the island. They go back to Delphi. He, they, the Oracle tells them, you know, I told you to go to Libya. So they moved to this place called Aziris. Don't, there's people living there. That's the thing. There's nobody living on the island, apparently. So they moved to this place called Aziris, and they lived there for like six years. So sometime after, but there's Libyans there. You know, people live there. Yes, and I'm not surprised the Libyans are not on the island because Libyans uh, not great seafarers. Yeah. Also, they, they are very um, absent in Egypt at this time. So I don't know yeah. what the Libyans are up to. But Libya has always been very sparsely populated. So I guess it's a great place to colonize. Yeah, it, must, it was. And it became a very prominent Greek area too. So this is cool, too, because they were persuaded by the Libyans to move further inland. They were kind of near the coast. They said, move further inland to a, the location that is now, you know, modern. I guess I would pronounce it Cyrene. It's, you know, it's, there's an area there today, and it became, you know, that whole Greek area. But anyway, the Libyans, it says, Herodotus says, the Libyans brought them to a spring, which goes by the name of Apollo's Fountain, and they told them, here, Hellenes, is the proper place for you to settle, for here the sky leaks. That kind of makes you wonder why the Libyans weren't settling there, but maybe there were too few of them. I think they weren't farmers, in my opinion. That's the opinion I got. Okay. Like, they're, ho- they're horse, you know, they're more horsemen. Um, they, they're, ber- this, these, they're sort of Berbers, you know, like the word Berber. Um, they're North Africans. They're more like that whole group. Yeah. Um, I, they probably weren't really farmers, so I think this rains a lot. If you're like a horse, you know, nomad, what the hell wants to be where it's raining all the time, I guess. That was the idea. He said, come here. They didn't like where they were, and they said, why don't you guys go over here? The sky leaks over here. One other translation said the sky has a hole. So that's how it was started. I have some facts on this colony here, if you want to hear them. And Battis, he reigned for 40 years. His son took over for the reign another 16 years. And then the third king, Battis the Happy, he, he brought more Greek citizens to this. Oh, I'm sorry. He went to the oracle. Battis the Happy did. And... He, um, they told, she told them to bring more Greek citizens to the settlement, and that expanded the settlement a lot and pushed out the Libyans. It's it's a World Heritage site today. Oh, yeah, it's it's considered one of the most beautiful remnants of Greek history today. Actually, there's a temple there. Within so within 200 years, other cities established in the area. Um, like this is modern Benghazi is in the area there. Kyrene isn't, but it's one of the cities was um, Benghazi. They were known as the Pentapolis, with Kyrene was the most important. So this was the Greek Pentapolis area. And the highest point of the city is the Temple of Zeus. That was built in 400s BC. One of the best preserved Doric temples in the world. Mm. And then it had a, a, Jew, a Jewish community where 100,000 Jews from Judea were forced to settle during um, Ptolemy Soter. That's like 323, 285 BC, like some, after Alexander the Great. They, they exported like 100,000 Jews to the area. And 200 years later, and a one, no, a couple hundred years later, 115 AD, there's a big Jewish revolt there. I know Gary's covering this in his latest uh, podcast season. And um, they destroyed the temple, destroyed the city. But five years later, Hadrian rebuilt it. 
temple destroyed again in 365. Well, you don't destroy uh, you don't destroy Greek temples on the watch of Hadrian, so he will rebuild the Greek temples. Oh, really? He, he's a Greekophile. He loves Greece. Oh. Also, Hadrian, the reintroducer of the Greek beard. Really? Yes. He was obsessed with Athens, and uh, many temples in Athens today are actually built uh, during the time of Hadrian. Amazing. How, that is amazing. How about them? Like those, they were like, we'll really piss him off. We'll burn down the temple. <laughs> My favorite story about Hadrian, just to go on a tangent, is that he, while being in Greece and in Athens, which he loved, he found this amazing Greek boy that he fell in love with and brought oh, along yes. with him everywhere. In an unfortunate accident, or was it, on the Nile, this boy drowned. And Hadrian forced the locals to build a temple to the beautiful Greek boy. And that temple lasted for hundreds and hundreds of years. And they were like, we are the cult of beautiful Greek boy lover to Hadrian. And we will uphold this temple because Hadrian told us to. Amazing. Could you imagine having that job hundreds of years later? Like, probably better than fighting crocodiles in the river. Okay, back to, back to the colony. Yeah, this temple was larger than the Parthenon. You know, and then so we'll just wrap up. I, I like to just bring this stuff because we're not going to get to the 300s in the modern day, obviously, right? So, like, I like to just. Kyrene was founded in our time, 630, and here's what happened to it over the over the time. So I hope you uh, indulge me on that. I will, because um, because this is kind of cool. Because he's mentioned that it's mentioned in the New Testament, a Kyrenian, a Cyrenian, we'd probably say, named Simon. You might have heard this. Simon carried the cross of Christ. Oh, so he's like when. He said, let me carry this for you. So and according to some Gnostic, this is great. According to some Gnostic traditions, Simon of Kyrene, um, by mistaken identity, he he did all the things going up to the crucifixion, like the passion. He had to carry the cross. He had to like get whipped, wear the crown of thorns, everything. And this story is presented in the book. It's called The, the Second Treaty of the Great Seth. So it's not clear whether Simon or someone else actually died on the cross, but it's part of a belief held by some Gnostics that Jesus was not flesh, but only took the on the appearance of flesh and never died on the cross. And there's another gospel that's in a Gnostic one that states that Christ and Jesus as a holy divine being could not suffer bodily pain and therefore he did not die on the cross. But the person crucified was Simon of Cyrene. And this guy, he says, he appeared about Jesus and all this, he appeared on earth as a man and performed miracles. Thus he himself did not suffer. Rather, a certain Simon of Kyrene was compelled to carry his cross for him. It was he who was ignorantly and erroneously crucified, being transfigured by him, so that he might be thought to be Jesus. Here's a great. Moreover, Jesus assumed the form of Simon and stood by laughing at them. Oh, that's not very Christ-like as far as I know. And also Constantine the Great would burn this uh, Basilidas guy for stating things like this. I'm sure. Burn. Yes, from the great church meeting in Nicaea in 325 when Constantine settled heresies like this. Indeed. And I could see why. I mean, you can't have crazy setup. I mean, that's, you're way far apart. I believe Jesus is... No, no. Jesus, he just made this other guy do it. The, uh, what they came up with at the, the meeting in Nicaea in 325 AD is still in uh, in the Christian books today. And that I is know. that God is both... Uh, Jesus is both divine and human. So he has to suffer. Yes. 
And Simon can't do it for him. Okay, yes. sorry. Let's not uh, get into Byzantine discussions on Christianity. The Creed, the Apostles' Creed. I used to say it when I used to go, I knew I used to know it. One in being with the Father, through him all things are made. So yeah. So that's what I got about Kyrene. It's, it's you know, that's a place to visit on the fan history tour, I think. Seems convenient. Just go from Nineveh to Kyrene. Absolutely. Hey, we're going to, these Patreons are going to support us. We're going to have a great trip. Everyone's going to come. We can take a cruise from like uh, Byblos or something. Yeah. For sure. We'll probably get a helicopter off the boat, go to Nineveh. That's the way we can get in and out there. Babylon. Okay, where do we go now? Lydia. Oh, interesting. Back to Lydia, up there. Back in Turkey. Yeah, yuppers. That's where the Sumerians, you know, the Chimerians and some, you know, and that's where Gyges is from. So this is, um, this, uh, his name is Sadiates. He becomes king of, of uh, Lydia. He is Gyges' grandson. And then his father's name was Artus. According to Herodotus, Artus reigned for 12 years, but modern estimates give him a much shorter reign of only two years. Little is known about his reign, except that he began a war with this um, Greek city of Miletus. Miletus. It's possible, like, like his good old grandpa and like his father, he also died fighting the Cimmerians. And he was succeeded by his son, Aliates. And he continued the war. So if, if Artis only ruled two years and, uh, you know, we have all this. So that means Aliates we have to talk about a little bit because he would become king in 635. Um, you know, like I talked about this before, like some people put Gyges' death earlier. So you guys could believe me. This is around the time we got here. That's a terrible mistake on uh, Sadiates' part to fight Miletus instead of fighting the Samirians. Seriously. Yes. If Doug the Barbarian is nearby, you should fight him. I would think so, but maybe he had already died of magic at this point, so he had a little break, and Doug, his, his peeps are... I don't know. I can't figure these people out all the time. But I think there's a lot of their stuff going on. We don't always know. But they did like to fight a lot. But Aliates is around for a long time, right? Aliates is, yeah. He, he, start, he reigned from 635 to 585. So we could talk about him in the future, probably. But his tomb is famous, a little bit semi-famous, so... Because it is what's called, it's like a shape of a, well, Buddhists call them stupas. It's like a mound. So they think that, they use his this tomb as an example of a stupa type of building in the Mediterranean. But these Buddhist stupas obviously didn't start until a little bit later. Because, you know, Buddha didn't live until the 500s. So, so they, their tradition may have come from the Mediterranean and Lydia and this type of thing. There's the whole, actually the Mediterranean and uh, even the Near East, you know, the whole the whole area that could have had this and so that influence now. But these Buddhist stupas are more popular in, you know, Indian stuff now. And that's what we got. I just wanted to mention that uh, it will be Aljatis then who will be sending people to Egypt from Lydia to serve in Samedicus armies. Ah. Yes. Okay, let's uh, end this episode. Yes, we are ending this episode. I'm going to have some more stuff on the 630s. There's a lot more colonies. So that's our next episodes. We're going to talk about those. Great. Uh, do remember our Patreon. If you like this podcast, please contribute on patreon.com. Search for Fano History. And we are utterly grateful for all support we can get. Also, share this podcast with other people who want to hear about these ancient times. Please, please do. I think we're going to be getting more and more information because we're, you know, we're getting closer and closer to the present, and it's, it's, um, I think it's going to be great. I'm enjoying the heck out of it. So I appreciate your listeners uh, tuning in.
let's uh, continue next time. Yes, sir. I'll see you later, Dan. See you later, Bernie. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fanofhistory. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.